When I started my business over 11 years ago, the only tool I worried about was WordPress. My business was my website and my website was my business and WordPress made it all work. And while I still use WordPress to this day, there are dozens of other tools I use to run both of my companies. There's my email provider, my web host, our community platform, the graphic design tools I use, the communication software we chat on. Each tool has its purpose and place within the larger business. This month, we're going to take a deep dive into the tools that different businesses rely on to run. We'll talk software, systems, and processes, plus how it all works together. We'll talk about how things have changed, what stayed the same, and how to know when it's time to switch up your tools. And we'll talk with business owners that run different kinds of businesses, digital products, one-on-one services, and agencies. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that takes you behind the scenes to talk about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. Now, focusing on tools is especially relevant right now because many business owners are looking for ways to run more efficiently and more effectively so that they can boost profit or create new streams of revenue as the economy is changing. We're also trying out new tools to cope with interruptions and stress. So in this kickoff episode, I want to talk about both of those pieces of the puzzle with my podcasting partner in crime, my husband and the production coordinator for What Works, Sean McMullen. Together, Sean and I run Yellow House Media, a full-service podcast production agency that specializes in helping small business owners create standout podcasts that power their marketing and sales. We'll get into the tools we use to run Yellow House, including how we set up client dashboards, manage projects, edit audio, and consult on content strategy. But first, we wanted to share some of the tools we're using to manage stress and anxiety right now. So let's get into it. So Sean, how are you holding up? I'm holding up. <laughs> how are you holding up, Tara? Um, I'm tired. Uh, but uh, I thought we'd start off with that question because that question itself, I think, is a, a tool for connection right now. Uh, even I've asked a if, lot of people that question. Same. I, I'm. I think this week I'm moving on from how you holding up, but I don't know that I have found an appropriate question to switch to yet. So, what do you do? You have anything? I'm sticking with how you holding up for a little while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but I that, although that would be an interesting question to ask people, like, what is your current go to? So how are you holding up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. If you have suggestions for what we should be saying instead of how you hold how you holding up, reach out on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> um, but I wanted to start off there because I think um, while a conversation around what tools we're using for podcasting and even more importantly, like what tools we're using to run a podcasting business, um, there's another set of tools that we are using on a daily, if not hourly basis right now. And that's those are tools for managing stress and anxiety. Um, and you and I both have, um, we have a lot of overlapping tools um, but we also have kind of our own personal set of tools as well. Um, so I thought we could get into some of those and then I'll, we'll work our way into the podcasting tools. Sound, Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, cool. So what would you say right now is like your go-to tool, broadly defined, for managing stress and anxiety? How real do you want me to get? You can get very real. This is what works. Come on. Okay. Well... Things actually sort of happened in kind of a convenient 
order patterned for me because right before all of this got very real, right before all the the pandemic actually got like every, making everyone stay in their house, I had started getting very real about addressing my own issues with anxiety. And I had already sort of set myself off on a path. And so this 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 wave of self-care, this wave of getting on top of that kind of aligned with also having to stay at home. And so medication, for sure, that's functioning and I'm feeling very good. My anxiety is at an all-time low. <laughs> Despite everything going on, I'm feeling the, some of the lowest level of anxiety I've felt in my entire life, which is awesome. It is awesome. It's also slightly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I know, As having, your me wife. Bounce, having me bouncing around the house being like, woo, 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 woo. Yes, exactly. Making noises like that that I won't make again on this podcast. On this Thank recording. you. And at the same time, I started, I've been meditating twice a day, pretty consistently twice a day, but definitely once a day for coming up on 80 days straight. And I'm using Headspace, which, you know, I was like waffling on all the different options. And I was like, Ugh, just stop thinking about it and just go with this. And honestly, Headspace has been incredible. Um, really suggest getting into Headspace or something like it. Um, it's nice because it gives you the option to be able to sort of select how long you're going to want. If you have five minutes, you do five minutes. If you have 20 minutes, you do 20 minutes. And it took me a little while as Tara will attest for me to kind of get my meditation pattern because she'd walk into the bedroom and I'd be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> meditation would just return to me falling back asleep. But, um, it's what I've also been doing. Like if I'm in the middle of the, I, I will find myself in the middle of the day, just, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling stressed out. I'll just stop everything, sit down on the floor and take five minutes. And that has been huge for me. So those are, I would say, meditation and anti-anxiety medication are my go-to tools, go-to tools right now. Of course, there are a lot of other things that we'll talk about, but I'd say that's the foundation right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that for both of us, um, getting clear on our own um, brain chemistry, getting clearer on how anxiety impacts us on a day-to-day -day basis, regardless of outside circumstances like we're currently dealing with, um, has been a real game changer. I've talked about it on the podcast before about how I always knew that I suffered from depression on a regular basis, but I didn't realize how much anxiety um, impacted me and how much my life is just kind of driven by anxiety on a regular basis. Um, so I think for both of us getting clearer on that before this all happened and we had this extra layer of anxiety um, has been really important for me. Um, you know, exercise, I'm sure is not going to come as a surprise to anyone has been a real tool um, in my toolkit for dealing with all of this. Um, and to the, you know, in a lot of different ways, and I've, I've had to really rearrange my routine and my schedule um, to get the same impact out of exercise that I had um, 
that I had been getting, you know, being able to go to the gym, being able to lift really heavy weights. Um, Unfortunately, I do not have a barbell rack, a squat rack at home yet. Scrambling up walls. (laughs) Yes, I'm not scrambling up any walls at home, although the videos of climbers climbing on their countertops is very intriguing (laughs) to me. So who knows? I might be strapping on the shoes here soon. Um, But luckily, like, what was it, a week, two weeks before things started to get real? Sean and I made the decision that, yes, I was going to run a marathon Um, this, I guess, technically it's summer, but it's June 28th, which just happens to be our second wedding anniversary um, in Missoula, Montana. And so I know you're probably thinking, oh, God, Tara, that's not going to happen. And I know intellectually it's probably not going to happen. But (laughs) as a tool for my own stress management right now, marathon training has been really helpful. And so I'm kind of staying anchored to that date and anchored to that goal. Um, I will not regret running all the miles (laughs) if it turns out that that is not a thing that happens. And I will deal with that if, if that comes uh, to pass. But right now, like really organizing my weeks around my long run and just really enjoying my long run. I was telling Shannon, who, who works with us on the, the what works side of things, uh, just before we started up this conversation, that, you know, my long runs now, my last one was 12 miles. I'm kind of, I'm about a quarter of the way through my marathon training plan. Um, and so 12 miles is about a two hour run for me, just under two hours. And that two hours where there is nothing for me to think about other than putting one foot in front of another and listening to radio lab <laughs> is like two of the best hours of my week because it's just so simple, so clear what I am supposed to be doing every second of that time. And it has just been so, so amazing. So I'm holding on to marathon trading as um, as a major tool in my toolkit, um, but a other forms of exercise. tool. Yeah, exactly. Um, but lots of yoga yeah. as well. That was something else that I started to really get into to- again uh, towards the end of last year. Um, and so similarly uh, to how you're using meditation, Sean, for me, um, yoga very much fills that need. And I, I gravitate towards classes that have a really strong kind of mindset and mental component to them, even while being very physical, physically demanding. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about food. Cause I feel like food is another tool that we're using to manage stress and anxiety. And by that, I don't mean like mostly numbing out with food or like overeating, over snacking. Um, not that, there's anything wrong with that at this point. Um, But I think you and I are both kind of um, using this time as a way of getting back to routines around food that we really Mm -hmm, value. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? I keep forgetting that I'm doing it, but I'm currently intermittently fasting doing the... (laughs) I must spit my coffee out. (laughs) I totally forgot about that. That was also a decision that I made before things started getting... Literally like the day before. <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been. But it turns out it's been a very nice way for me to sort of control those compulsive snacking habits, the things that could get into, get me into, the, you know, come out come out of a pandemic weighing 30 pounds heavier, you know, 30 pounds heavier. Um, not that I'm overly terrified of that, but the, um, so well, yeah. It's I, about feeling good, right? It is. It's, it's, not, a, it's about feeling good. Well, it's, it's not about the weight. So to back off of on that, to start to go back to the beginning of that question, you and I have always been really good about eating whole foods and cooking for ourselves. 
Uh, but it's been what coming up on three weeks since we've eaten out. Um, we have gotten some takeout, but we're like really focused. It's like, but the thing is, is when you do takeout, the crappy food you eat just out at the pub isn't really as appealing when you've gotten it in a box and brought it home. Those French fries, they just aren't as good. But, uh, so we are supporting, um, as many of the local restaurants as we can, but mostly we've just been cooking for ourselves and it's been great. It's been one of those, we sort of just, there's not really, there's no intention of how we take turns. It's almost sort of like happens into a, like, well, I have time. She doesn't. I'm going to cook now. That's kind of like how it's been falling into place. But I've always loved cooking in a way where it's like this particular dish will never happen again. <laughs> yes. That thing I made last night, that was weird. Yeah. What did we call uh, your style? New American hippie. New American hippie. Yeah. Yeah. That's your style of cooking. Uh, you also did a major pantry clean out uh, or pantry rearrangement this weekend. And I feel like that was a coping mechanism for you. A coping tool. Well, I mean, this falls into a larger thing that's happening for me right now is that because we are just at home, I mean, there are all these little little side projects that I've always meant to get around to that I'm slowly kind of checking off and like getting into my pantry, our pantry and identifying what we have, like that thing that's just lost back there and and discovering that you have bought the same thing three times because it was buried under something else, you know? So yeah, I went through all the dry goods and put them into Mason jars and labeled them so that they're really easy to identify what we have. Just sort of did a, I think it was Gabby on, um, on Bon Appetit kind of inspired me because she had said one of her, the first things that she did was she just took stock of what she had and, I think that a lot of my anxiety right now is honestly kind of food driven um, mm. in that, like, I don't want to go to the grocery store. I really don't. Um, so knowing what we have can, uh, and knowing that we're secure in that sense uh, allows me to kind of put some stress aside. So yeah, I would say it was, some, yeah, I think you're right. That was somewhat of a coping mechanism of just sort of organizing things. Yeah. Um, let's talk about planning a little bit. Um, because I know this is a thing that has come up a lot with the small business owners, not only that we work with on the Yellow House side of things, but certainly on the What Works side of things as well. Is just like, how do you make plans for yourself or your business when you don't know what life is going to be like on a day-to-day -day basis? Things are changing so fast. There are so many questions. How do you decide or how do you even think about um what might be happening further down the line or what you might want to happen further down the line. When you think about planning for yourself or for the business or with clients, um, what are some of the things that are helping you get clear on what's important right now and what might be important in the near future? Tell you what, global pandemic certainly levels things and tells you what your priorities are mm. real fast. Suddenly, it's not so it's not as difficult to sort of identify priorities for me and and i find that it's the same with clients you know we have clients who really like to work ahead we have clients who don't work ahead as much as others but the we love them all oh yeah <laughs> i mean my favorite client and i will not name names uh <laughs> She'll know who she who you're is, talking about. Is late right now as we're speaking. <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> you know who you are. Uh, but the, for the planners, a lot of people have had to say, I can't work that far ahead right now because I just don't know what's going to happen. And so we've become a little more, I don't even know exactly what the right word is, but we're having to think on our feet a little bit more than we have in the past. And so I certainly, um, in the business realm, am certainly still planning out like I would normally. Mm-hmm. But I am also still aware that I'm, as my grandfather would say, um, I'm not planting my fence posts too deep because I want to take that fence post back out of the ground. So I'm making sure that when I am making plans, I am I'm still aware that those plans could change tomorrow. And so that's like from the business side. Um, on a personal level, that's something that I'm really enjoying is that the, the everything, the priorities have become very clear and there's a lot, a lot of little fluff. Like I can't just go to Target because I'm bored. Um, I don't think I've told you this. So I've kind of Uh-oh. scheduled out my own personal interests um, through the week. So like really? certain days have certain interests. And so my reading and my projects are based around those interests. And I, so the reason I do that is it's so, because as you know, I have many, many interests. And then I don't feel like when I'm doing one interest, I'm neglecting the others. And I actually feel like I'm making progress as I'm cycling through my major interests. And so like last night was field recording because that's a particular interest I have right now. And uh, doing research on new microphones when we'll get around to that. And and then like, I don't even know what tonight is. Tonight be, might be like fiction writing or something. I can't remember what I wrote down. But that's been nice. Is So kind of routine as a tool too. Yeah, Um I, we have both really fallen into our routines, haven't we? Well, yeah, routine is kind of how I cope all the time. But <laughs> yes, we have. Well, that was something I was kind of struggling with before was trying to find a routine. And I'm being I'm feeling really grateful for the routine that I have right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Like you said, we're going to talk about microphones in just a second, because uh, that seems like the easiest tool to start with from a podcasting perspective. But I think there's one other tool that we've been using in terms of managing with stress, uh, managing stress and anxiety right now, and that is entertainment. Uh, and so I thought it would be fun to just share. I've been asking everyone about their quarantainment, as, um, which is a not a word that I came up with. It is a word that I first saw from Hillary Weiss. So I want to give her credit on that. Um, but, (laughs) but, uh, our quarantainment, uh, I have been finding that I am not nearly as interested in some forms of content that was keeping me entertained beforehand, mostly because it's just not so entertaining. Like it's not, uh, it doesn't make me focus as much as like I used to have the capacity to focus on something that was less engaging perhaps. And now I need my evening entertainment to just like catch my focus and keep me there. (laughs) Like I need to know (laughs) that the story is unfolding or this information is unfolding in a way that is going to keep me uh, engaged for longer than three minutes at a time. Cause I think that's about where my attention span is come eight o'clock at night. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll start. We just binge watched, uh, the expanse, which was a sci-fi original became, it moved to prime. If you like gritty science fiction, if you are a fan of Battlestar Galactica, the expanse, holy crap, 
watch it. It's so good. I know we don't do advice on this podcast, but my advice to you, if you're a science fiction fan, is to watch The Expanse. I do. Uh, I will do a little warning, though. At the beginning, it feels a little oh, yes. bit like a breakout series. I'm mean, not a breakout, an like an outbreak series. Um, and that might be a little intense right now, uh, but it slowly evolves beyond outbreak. Yes, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that has been the caveat that I've been giving people. It's like, okay, it's going, there's going to be a couple episodes where this looks like it's going to be a contagion type thing. Let me just tell you that it's not. Keep going. It's worth it. <laughs> so, yes, that is a really good trigger warning. Well, I do also want to say, with uh, um, a few things that I loved about that show, before I say that, I, w- I want to say that it is based upon a, a series of novels. And I think it's Leviathan Wakes is the first one. And it was either nominated or won a Hugo Hmm. and a Nebula, I believe. I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head. But I had been planning on watching it, I mean, reading it. And then this seemed like a good opportunity for us to – so I I allowed it. We we watched the television show first. Yes. But I love Uh, how how it is – it's hard science where it's not the pseudoscience slash fantasy of Star Trek. It's – space wants to kill you it is Mm -hmm. a dangerous dangerous place and just all the logistical nitty-gritty details that someone would have to do to function in outer space it's it's really well done yeah it's also different in that the setting is predominantly our own solar system whereas the vast majority of sci-fi even if it starts on earth it you know you're out of the solar system in a second and on to the rest of the universe, um, where this really shows the expansiveness of our own solar system, which is interesting. And I would say the main thing that I loved about it is solid, solid character development, where you have characters that your feelings about them goes from dislike to like and back several times during the series. And it is the character development is dynamic. And uh, yeah, that's okay. Okay, moving on. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to put everyone to, they're going to be we like, we could just uh, start a podcast talking about science fiction, but let's we not could, We could, but yeah, we're not, we don't have time for that right Can now. Can I talk about the next ones? Sure, go for it. So then to follow that up, because we're desperate for something else to watch together, because sometimes we have a hard time finding something to watch together. Uh, we started rewatch. well, I've never watched it. We're watching Lost now. We're going back and starting with Lost from the very beginning. Which uh, Slate, or no, Vox recommended as a potential watch or rewatch for this period. So I felt like, I just saw that this morning. I felt like, yes, we are, we're, we're doing the thing. So we'll report back on that. But the other, I would say the other two, the two main things that we watched together on YouTube are Good Mythical Morning which I feel like everyone in the world knows about it. But then when I bring it up, there are a lot of people who don't know about it. So if you don't know about it, it's two dudes my age doing weird stuff on the internet, on YouTube. And it's awesome. And I think... It's it's the show that inspires all of the shows that your kids watch on YouTube. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? But when two dudes who are 42, 43 years old do it, it's much funnier and better produced and it's worth watching. Well, the other thing that's been fun about it is watching their evolvement, their production evolve as um, quarantine gets, because they're in California and so they're stuck at home. And so how their production is evolving. And then the other one, Tara? Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit. On YouTube. If you don't watch, you watch it. 
That's my it's, other advice in this episode. It's like watching <laughs> the real world if we're, we're the real world were actually worth watching. <laughs> I think it's probably better than that. <laughs> but yes. Um, podcasts you're listening to right now? Ooh, I'm, I'm listening to... Um, oh, man, you should warn me. Uh, Sorry. I can go first. You think about it. I'm listening to Reply All is doing an excellent job uh, kind of covering the situation. Um in a way that is very cathartic to me. Basically, all of my coronavirus-related podcast listening is about um, some form of catharsis. So Reply All, Radio Lab, which I always I always listen to both of those shows, and I'm always so excited when they drop new episodes. Um, but the way they're handling it, I think, has been really great for me. For information, I'm listening to Make Me Smart, um, which is um, Marketplace's podcast, so Kyra Zoll and Molly Wood. Um, and then uh, I'm also listening to a new show called Staying In um, with Kamal Nanjiani, who's a comedian, and uh, his wife, Emily totally drawing a blank on her last name. Uh, but they are hilarious because they're both comedians slash comedy writers. And again, just incredible, cathartic, funny, relevant content. And I'm just loving it, like laugh out loud, walking down the street, loving it kind of uh, podcast. So those are mine. Sean? I will admit that my podcast listening right now is very escapist. Um. The main one that I'm listening to. So I have some go-tos right now, but I'm finding what I'm doing is digging into some of my favorites. So podcasts that I have discovered that are, you know, five years in and have massive amount of back catalog, I'm going back and re-listening to their content. Mm -hmm. So if there's something that I really enjoy, I'm going back. So uh, Sounds Curious, a podcast for the adventurous listener. And that is sound design, field recording, uh, contemporary classical, noise. It's really good. Um, very it, kind of on the heavy on the intellectual academic side. But it, if you're into uh, sound and music, I would definitely recommend that one. And then I've also been listening to some horror, fictional horror podcasts. And the one that stands out to my mind is um, Archive 18, 18 uh, which is the host has gotten a collection of, of recordings from a friend and that friend has disappeared and he can't find him. And so he's playing those recordings that his friend sent him as a way to try to get people to figure out what happened to him. So as you're listening to these recordings, that's where the horror element is, is what happened to him. Oh. I'm really excited about the broader potential of podcasts right now to go beyond the interview and to go into the, the radio drama and that's kind of where my mind is. And then there was another one, which I listened to once, liked, and will never listen to again because I don't know why I would need to. But it's called The Walking Podcast. And the guy doesn't talk the entire time. It's just the sound of him taking a walk for like 45 minutes. And uh, he does extensive show notes at the beginning. But otherwise, it's just you to go take a walk with this guy. I don't know that I need to listen to that every week, but it was pretty good. <laughs> All right, we will finally get into the tools we use to run Yellow House Media and produce a standout podcast for our clients in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. 
people want to connect to each other. Now that's always been true, but it's never been more true than right now. If you're looking to lead or to serve as people navigate tough decisions and big changes, this is the time to bring them together. This is the time to give them a space to process and talk with one another. It's the time to bring thoughtful presence to the online spaces where people gather. If you're looking to lead or serve, Mighty Networks is the tool for the job. When you start a Mighty Network, you can bring your community, audience, or customer base all together under one digital roof. You can help them connect to each other and grow together. You can give them a calm, thoughtful space to process and talk. And as a leader, you can share your knowledge through the content you create, the online courses you build, and the virtual events you host. Mighty Networks is our tool of choice for bringing small business owners together, facilitating important conversations, delivering needed resources, and sharing ideas. Mighty Networks has given us a way to lead our people through extraordinary times, and it's given our members a thoughtful and intentional space to gather when things are rough. You can use Mighty Networks as your tool for bringing people together too. Start your Mighty Network free of charge today by going to MightyNetworks.com. Another tool I'm thrilled to share with you is our What Works Leadership Dashboard. Now, I know that planning for your business is a big challenge today, but at the same time, having a clear plan can give you focus and clarity when everything else seems unsteady. Instead of a hard and fast linear plan, you need a plan for the future that also adapts for today. And that's where the Leadership Dashboard comes in. The Leadership Dashboard is a planning process and tool that empowers you to manage new information, ideas, and priorities without losing track of big picture goals. It's designed to help you create adaptable plans for your business while helping you track what's important today. The result is a greater sense of confidence and ease as you lead, even when things are uncertain or evolving. The Leadership Dashboard is the planning process and tool I developed for myself when all other tools failed me. Now, with the Leadership Dashboard, you can capture big picture planning and daily task management on one page so your long-term projects never stall out. The Leadership Dashboard flexes to fit your schedule and way of working so you can stay on top of things regardless of when you prefer to get things done. It provides structure while being completely customizable so you stick to your plans even if you rebel against rigid systems. It guides you through a yearly, quarterly, and weekly breakdown so you can plan for the future while keeping keeping your eye on the day-to-day. It reorients your mindset away from achievement and toward growth and movement so you can focus on the headway you're making instead of arbitrary goals. Now, the regular price for the Leadership Dashboard is $49, but we've made it pay what you want so that we can get it into as many hands as possible right now. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash leadership dash dashboard to get started. Or maybe a little easier, go to explorewhatworks.com and click on tools. All right. So let's give the people what they uh, what they paid for here, which you paid nothing. So I'm sorry that you had to sit through uh, our ramblings about what we're doing with this time and how we're managing our stress, but hopefully it was helpful to you. Um, and let's talk about the tools that we actually use to run Yellow House Media, which is um, the full service podcast production agency that we uh, co-founded and run together. Um, and and uh, yeah, so Yellow House is all about um, 
what we we specialize in helping small business owners produce standout podcasts uh, that actually power the marketing and sales in their businesses. Um, and what I've found over many many years um, is that. Most people who are podcasting for their small businesses don't actually understand or know or have a strategy behind how their shows uh, actually plug into the rest of their business. They know it's supposed to be marketing. They know ostensibly it's supposed to be helping them build their audiences, um, but they don't have a real plan for that. And so we help people build that plan and then do all the other stuff too to make it easy. Um, and so we're going to talk about uh, some of the tools that we use to do exactly that. But yeah, we thought we'd start off by talking about the microphones that we use because I think they're kind of the podcasters go to tool. And somehow it was not on my original agenda for this episode. <laughs> so let's talk about hardware before we get into software and systems. Um, I use a microphone uh, that if you've seen me on video in the last uh, couple of years, you have seen this microphone and I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, Sean has a new to us microphone, which is kind of a standard um, entry-level microphone in the podcasting world that is not made by a company that starts with the letter B, uh, which is what most people are familiar with. So uh, instead, it starts with the letter A. Sean, you want to talk about your microphone? I am speaking into an Audio-Technica ATR2100. That's correct. And you sound great. Well, and I, I would say that that is an interesting thing for everyone out there. Whether this one costs like a third of what yours did, yeah, less than a third. It's about a hundred bucks. Yeah. And so it's interesting to notice any sort of quality difference between the two. I swear. Um, I mean, if if I certainly recommend going with the one Tara's using, but this this microphone is a solid microphone. Um, I'm loving it because before that, when I was doing my calls, I was just using my the microphone on my earbuds and it just doesn't sound great. And uh the other thing that's different between Tara and I is that she has a boom arm and mine is on a um, mounted just sitting on the desk. So I can't touch my desk because it picks up the noise at the desk. So that's kind of a bummer. But, and then the other thing that I have set up right now, because I love the microphone and it's making really nice recordings, but it is still picking up the room a little bit, um, just hard surfaces and things. And so I pulled out of Tara's room. We have this, um, it's called a microphone shield, mm -hmm. and it's basically like a little mini recording booth that you set up onto your desk, and so it's uh, like a three-sided panel with foam insulation on it, so your voice doesn't bounce back at you off of your computer screen or whatever's in front of you. And so we're kind of experimenting with that. One of the reasons that we wanted to pick up another, a different microphone was I wanted to be able to talk with some experience when I'm talking to other people like like what what microphone should I pick up what microphone what microphone should I invest in I wanted to be able to give people options uh from an informed place so this microphone's been great yeah I I think it's excellent and uh we should probably say too that uh the ATR2100 is a USB microphone so it just plugs right. straight into your computer it doesn't require an interface like Terra's does Terra's is a uh, well we'll talk about that okay we'll talk about yours yeah we'll talk about that but um the other thing that I wanted to kind of point out from what you were saying is that so your office and my office are pretty different um my office is about 
two thirds the size of your office, maybe even a little bit smaller than that. It's also yeah, about right. Yeah, it's also carpeted. My office is carpeted as opposed to yours being hardwood floors. I also have higher ceilings than you do. And you have higher ceilings. Yeah. So one thing that people really don't take into consideration when they're thinking about does this mic sound good or do I sound good on this mic is that it is at least uh, as much a function of the space that you are in than it is of the microphone itself. Um, and so that's something that we're always talking about with with clients. But I think it's valuable from a kind of a tools perspective to think about that you can make um, a, just a pretty mediocre microphone, microphone sound so much better by controlling the space that you're in. So whether Absolutely. that's yeah. So whether that's recording in a closet, which you've probably heard of people doing or uh, recording under a blanket, uh, like you've probably seen public radio people doing or, or you know, the pro podcasters doing. Go into um, your kids' uh, blanket fort that they've set up in the living room right yeah. now and record in it. Exactly. That can make any microphone, including your earbuds, sound so much, so much better. Um, so that's that's really huge. Okay, so the microphone that I use is called a Rode Procaster. Um, they also make a podcaster mic. So they have there's two different versions. They look very, very similar. Uh, the biggest difference, other than the price tag, is that the Procaster uh, uses an XLR cable. So that's your typical microphone cable. Um, if you've done like I used to be in band, so I've wrapped so many microphone jazz band. So I've wrapped so many speaker cables and microphone cables in my day. Um, but it, it is a typical microphone cable uh, that you would see on stage anywhere. Um, anytime someone else is using a microphone that's not hooked up to a computer, um, that does not go directly into your computer. So the Rode Procaster uses that XLR cable, uh, goes into an USB audio interface. The one that I use is pretty standard. It's called the Focusrite Scarlet. Um, and then that USB audio interface, as the name implies, interfaces through a USB cable with your computer. Um, and the audio interface not only just makes it possible for it, the sound to get into your computer, but it gives you all sorts of other controls. So I can monitor my, um, you know, I can self-monitor so I can hear myself in my headphones, which takes a little getting used to, but once you're used to it, it is wonderful and you will miss it when it's not there. I always do. You can adjust your gain on your microphone. You can adjust the level of the monitor. There's all sorts of things you can do uh, with the audio interface. So that's the setup that I use. And as uh, Sean said, it's on an arm, which again, you've seen if you've seen me on video in the last couple of years. Um, and that's just huge from a convenience factor. Um, so those are the microphones we use. Let's get... Oh, there is ahead. one other microphone uh, recording situation in the mail right now. I did order oh, nice. a portable handheld field recorder, the Zoom H1N, I do believe. Mm -hmm. And with that, we'll be getting back to that because our intention is to be able to set up and do, um, you know, take a walk and record an episode or do field recording. I mean, not um, do interviews in the field face to face with lav mics. So we'll report back on that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get into the business side of things before we get further into the actual audio production side of things. So I wanted to talk about um, the tools that we use for client management. Um, and there's a variety of things that we use to um, you know, manage the agreement and invoice side of things, to manage projects and just understanding 
what's due when, where people are at in the launch process or the production process, how we manage uh content and kind of giving feedback with clients, kind of the communication side of things. Um, so let's get into those those pieces of it. Um, we set up the business originally to use uh, a program called Dubsado, uh, which probably a lot of people are already familiar with. It's similar to something like a 17 Hats. Um, drawing a blank on the other things that it's like, but 17 Hats is definitely a similar one. But D- Dubsado... Uh, we chose because I knew a lot of people who really loved it. Um, I had used it from a client perspective and thought it was really great. Um, but Sean, you want to share just kind of the couple of tasks that you use Dubsado for right now? Yeah, I have certainly not gone into all of what you can do with Dubsado. There, one of these days, I'll actually go deep into some things there. But um, I use it for contracts sending out contracts with clients. Um, I use it for, what's the word I'm looking for? Invoicing. <laughs> I use it for invoicing. Sean and really has his his finger on the pulse of making money, let me tell you. Don't I, though. <laughs> um, nice thing about the invoicing situation is that you can set up an invoice and set up reminders before and after. So people, basically, you set it and then leave it. And then have auto re, auto payments, not auto payments, invoices go out on a regular basis. And so I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Dubsado has been incredible. Yeah, definitely. And I okay. You can do some scheduling through it as well. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. So we have not even gotten into all the tools that Dubsado has that we have at our disposal. Yeah. What do we use for, for scheduling? <laughs> what do we use for scheduling? We use uh, Co- Cozy Cal. Yeah. <laughs> we use Cozy Cal. And that is another tool that I'm still kind of getting my my head, getting my wrapping my mind around. But it's a pretty simple one, pretty straightforward. I think that it lacks some of the features that things like Acuity or Calendly have. But it's I kind of like its minimalism. Yeah, yeah, definitely dig the minimalism on it. Um, and they've added a lot of great features um, in the last couple of years. Uh, let's talk project management. So we predominantly use Notion for project management, uh, definitely on the team side of things. And we have most of our clients running on Notion as well. Uh, Sean, you want to talk a little bit about how you've set up client dashboards in Notion? The intention with the client dashboards is it's sort of like a one-stop shopping place for them. So when they go to interface with Yellow House, the intention is that's where they go as a starting place. So this is where we have the entire launch roadmap set up. So tasks and due dates so that they can kind of kind of so they can view the entire launch process. And then I also we also have their editorial calendar. So all of their episodes in their order, with their assignments, with the certain details placed there. And this is also where we put certain resources and links to resources. So if Tara makes a how-to video on how to use any particular, uh, how to like um, submit to iTunes, well, there that document and that video will be in there. So that's how we use that. So the, um, the ultimate goal is that whenever a client needs anything, that's where they will go. Yeah, absolutely. We do use it in conjunction with other things, but we'll get to that. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get let's get to it now. The the other big thing that we use to work with clients. So Notion gives us 
kind of a home base. It gives us a plan. It gives people um, sort of the big picture look at the scope of their project, at the mar- their marketing strategy in terms of their editorial calendar. Um, and it, it is interactive. So it's something that all of us are working on, right? The whole team is working in a client dashboard in addition to the client and their team potentially working in that client dashboard. Um, and it's so it's sort of the management side of things. In terms of the content side of things and storage and, um, you know, just kind of sharing assets, we use Google Drive for that. Yeah. So every every client that we have has their own Google Drive folder with a set of folders that's the same across every client in that in that Google Drive folder, their promotional assets go in there, their episode archive goes in there, um, scripts, intros and outros, like just the whole, you know, if you can imagine a piece of content that is related to a podcast and probably 10 more pieces, that all is kind of living in Drive. And we can access that through Notion um, as we need to, but Drive is kind of where it lives because it's still just like one of the easiest, most accessible um, collaboration tools that exists out there. So literally in Notion for every episode, I will put in a direct link from that episode to Drive. So you go to Notion, you're working on episode 10, you have a link directly to where all the resources, all the audio and the scripts and things live. Yeah, we we really try and make things linked together as as much as possible so that no matter where you're at in the process, you can get to wherever else you need to be. Drive is uh, great, but it's very easy for Drive to just get become a really messy pile of things that you're losing things in. So we're always trying to avoid that. Yeah. Let's look at the communication side of things um, now. And there's kind of three main tools that I pulled out uh, to talk about. Uh, Two people are very familiar with already, uh, which is email and Zoom. Um, We Zoom with our clients every month, um, providing direction, content strategy, um, marketing and sales strategy. That's, as I mentioned at the beginning, that's a really important part of what we're offering and how our service is differentiated um, from other uh, agencies services. Um, and so that is an important piece of the puzzle. Um, and just being available for our clients as their content strategy, uh, needs shift and evolve. Uh, we've been doing that a lot. Uh, well, Sean has mostly been doing that a lot, uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, and so email is great for that on the fly as well. But then there's one other communication tool that we use quite heavily, um, that has really just been a game changer and allows us to have such a high touch experience with our clients without having to constantly be in email or Zoom. And that is Loom. Uh, Sean, you want to share what Loom is for those that don't know? Uh, how, I'm not sure exactly how you would define exactly what it is, but it's it's a way of recording your screen. Yeah. And it's a screen capture. Yeah. It's killer. You yeah. Know, so it's this screen capture app that allows you to overlay um your selfie cam your on your on your laptop or on your if, if you want to you don't necessarily right. have to i mean i love the way you can you can uh record a screen or you can record a specific um application with on within your screen so you don't have to you can be jiggering around and your client doesn't necessarily have to see that um, but yeah, that's one of the things that we've started doing. I mean, we can, we can write out something and try to answer a question and, and email it to them. And 
it's still there is pretty consistently always confusion and questions. So if we have a question and it's easiest just to say, like if someone were in the room with you and you say, let me take, let me take you over to Zoom and show you how to use Zoom. Well, you make a video of it and that has been huge for us. Yeah, and I think absolutely. clients are responding pretty well to it as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because what's nice about that, too, is like if you hop on Zoom and you screen share and you demonstrate, I mean, yeah, you can make a recording of that. But Loom, by its very nature, is an archive of everything you have taught your client, you've explained to your client, you've shown your client. Um, And so for them to be able to have those reference points instead of in an hour long Zoom meeting, instead in a five minute or three minute little tutorial video has been super helpful Um, It's also something where we can customize a video, we can make a video specific for a client question, a client need. And it's also one of those things where like, we know there are frequently asked questions, or we know there are things we need to teach to every single client that we have. And so I can make one Loom video that feels very personal, that feels very high touch, but instead is actually something that can be leveraged across our whole client base. Um, And so it's a huge efficiency boosting tool for us as well. And as we're growing, we're building more and more of that foundational content that we can, we're learning what, as we go, what we need to make is what content we need to make with Loom. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's shift gears and talk about producing audio content now. So actually how we make podcast episodes, the tools that we use for that and the tools that we work on with our clients. So um, the first one uh, is one that we've already mentioned, which is simply drive. Um, So using Google Docs to create scripts, to create client outline or uh, episode outlines. Um, Some, you know, we can do that in Notion as well. And in fact, for what works, I do it all in Notion um, because it's just, it's, our whole team is collaborating in Notion. So for us, that makes a lot of sense. But for our clients, that's not necessarily uh, the case. Um, And so Drive is a tool that most of them are very familiar with. As I mentioned, they're already used to collaborating in there. So for them, creating a script there and allowing us to comment on it, suggest changes, move things around, rewrite some things so that it works better in audio, Drive works really well for that. And that is all stuff that we do with our clients. And so being able to have that collaborative experience in terms of the sort of the pre-production phase of a podcast episode is really important. So let's talk about Squadcast, which is a new to us tool, um, but that we are using to record this very episode, even though we are in the same house right now. (laughs) So um, you want to talk about Squadcast? Uh, We moved from Zencaster to Squadcast and loving Squadcast from a client perspective and from a guest management perspective. Again, super simple interface with a lot of really in-depth features. So I think it's important to say before you get into what those features might be, that why we use Squadcast as opposed to say, recording interviews on Zoom. Zoom does not record great audio quality, um, first and foremost. Um, But secondly, uh, Zoom, like Skype, records audio at the, at the, um, the, it, 
the call that you are hearing is the audio that it's recording. And, you know, I think anyone who's used Zoom over the last couple of weeks, but really anytime, um, knows what it's like to get digitized audio, um, audio that's got, you know, lots of stops and starts, uh, just really distorted audio. And that all ends up in your recording. And it's not great. You either have to edit it out or your listeners have to kind of buckle down and get through it. Whereas something like Squadcast, um, what it's actually doing is recording audio at its source. So it, it, so the microphone signal that is going into Squadcast right now on my end is getting recorded in the browser cache of my browser and is being recorded right there separately from Sean's audio, which is coming through his microphone and being recorded in his browser cache. From there, we get two separate lossless wave recordings. So we're getting a higher quality audio recording and we're not getting a recording of the call itself. We're getting a recording of the audio at its source, which means you don't get the digitized stuff. You don't get the distorted audio. It's just beautiful sound 99% of the time, more than 99% of the time. Um, And then in post-production, all that has to be done is for those things to be put together, which is fairly easy to do in any any audio um, uh, editing software. Um, But there's also some tools that you can use kind of in app that allow you to do it as well. Um, But it just, it makes a huge difference in, in audio recording quality. Let's talk about Descript. And I am going to have you talk about Descript because yeah. this, this tool Descript has also been badass. a game changer. Yeah. Uh, Descript, another piece of software that we're only sort of dipping into the surface of. But what 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 it does, how would you define it? It is a tool that transcribes a piece of recording so that you can simultaneously edit the transcript and the audio at the same time. So when you cut something out of the transcript, it gets cut out of the audio. It is incredible. It has been, it's become like, I didn't think it would become as integral to what we do as it has become. So let me, let me just pause you there just to say, just to reiterate exactly what you said, which is that Descript makes audio editing the same experience as editing a word processing document. So you copy and delete text, cut and paste, cut and paste, in Descript, in the transcript part, the word part of Descript, and it does it for you in the audio part. And if that sounds like I am describing something magical that cannot possibly be true, I assure you that it is. <laughs> and you it is go both in, magical and true. You can go in and remove every um from the transcript, and every um will be removed from the entire recording in like two seconds. Which is not necessarily something we recommend. No, it's not. But, but it's something you could do. Yes, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. So you would, yeah, do you want to talk about some of the use cases quickly that we have for it? Yeah. Um, so when we are doing, uh, when we're doing an editing, <laughs> when we are editing, outside of just editing the actual episode, there are a lot of smaller pieces that we go looking for. We go looking for a cold open to put at the beginning of an interview. We go looking for poll quotes to put into Instagram graphics. We go looking for clips to be able to make audiograms out of them. And with Descript, I can 
do a word search. So like the keyword, the, the key theme for that episode, and I can go and quickly kind of isolate good spots for pull quotes. I don't have to listen to the entire episode just to have just to find one good pull quote. It has it has turned a process that could be two hours into a process that takes 10 minutes. And I can also, when I'm looking for a clip for audiograms, do the same thing. And then I can highlight it and I can see how long it's going to be. And then I can export just that clip out of Descript. This has been a huge changer for us. But the other thing that we are using it in a practical sense is I am sharing these transcripts directly with clients so that they have, when they go to uh, draft their intros and outros to these episodes, they can actually go back, like with any transcript, and review what they have recorded. But not only can they review what they've recorded in text form, they can also listen to it. And then they can make comments like, oh, this part sucks, get rid of that. Or this part was <laughs> this part was really, really cool. I want you to emphasize this. And I think that that is something that, of real value that we were able to give to people. Yeah, it really ups our game in terms of uh, content editing with podcasts. Um, you know, I think there's, and, you know, we've been doing this for years. It's just like the interview you get is the interview you publish and descript and without a whole lot of time and energy, um, you really don't have any other choice. Um, you know, most people that are producing podcasts do not have hours to go back into Audacity or GarageBand or whatever and re-listen and think, oh, am I going to take this section out? Am I going to switch this around? Descript makes it so that all of those things are possible, which means that our audio storytelling, even in a very traditional, very simple um, interview format, can really be enhanced, which is, of course, you know, we're all about standout podcasts. This is a way that we can make our podcast stand out. Um, the other use case that I wanted to throw out there, too, was how we take... Um, audio that is submitted asynchronously to us and piece it together into a full episode. So for instance, um, just let's see, when will this episode go out? I think two weeks ago in What Works Time, we released um, what we call a community episode. So we go to our What Works Network community members and we say, um, hey, we're looking for people to speak on this topic and answer this particular question. They submit five minutes of audio to us of them answering that question and sharing more about what's working in their business. Um, and then we take those recordings that, you know, I have not had to, I haven't had to do an interview. I haven't had to take, uh, you know, schedule a particular thing, but we get, you know, this maybe 30 minutes of audio. Um, we load it all into Descript. We see what everybody said. We can listen to what everybody said. And then I can arrange those in an order that I like. I can draft intro and transition uh, scripting right in between, you know, right into that project. I can record straight into that project. And then we can take those raw files and send it off to our editor and have him actually go through the, the process of putting it together, leveling it all out, making sure it all sounds really good, um, making sure that the the music's in the right place, that unnecessary breaths are removed, you know, things like that, that we wouldn't necessarily do straight into script. But the content editing piece has been done in a way that is so much faster and so much more simplified than the way we used to do it. 
And within Descript, we can communicate directly to the editor. So if we say, we, it's such an easy way to say, instead of say, go to the timestamp this and go look for this and cut this out. No, we can go into Descript and actually mark it out and he can see exactly what needs to be edited. It's been nice to directly communicate needs to our editor via Descript. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of more things. I'm just looking at our time um, and we've had a lot more to say, uh, which is always the case than I expect that we're going to. Um, but there's a couple more things that I want to cover um, before we kind of finish up here. Uh, just real quickly, um, you know, people always want to know kind of what audio uh, editing software do we use um, kind of in for the most simplistic kind of immediate urgent editing that we do, we just use GarageBand because um, it does a lot of, it does the vast majority of what we need it to do. Um, our actual audio editor for episodes that end up in people's feeds uh, uses a piece of software called Audacity. Um, and there are lots of different options for audio editing software, but those are the two that we use. Um, I want to talk briefly about um, marketing audio content and the two tools uh, that we rely on heavily for that, uh, both on the what work side, um, but also with, of course, with all of our clients as well. Um, and one of them is Canva. Canva, if you are not familiar with it, is a um, web interface. Um, they also have mobile apps, uh, graphic design tool. Now, I, both Sean and I are very proficient in both Photoshop. Um, and I've also used another tool called Pixel, Pixel Meter, which is an app. Uh, or a Mac app um, that's very similar to Photoshop um, for years and years. I've, you know, we're very familiar with these. This is what we've used. Um, I started really getting into Canva middle of last year, maybe early last year, and realized that I could build things in there now um, that not only look great, but that allow us to collaborate with other team members. And so we have folders in Canva full of the templates for our clients cover art for their um, promotional assets, you know, their Instagram stories assets, their Instagram assets, their Facebook assets, all of those things. So that on an episode by episode basis, we can have another team member come in and change the quote, change the, uh, you know, picture of the guest to change the name of the episode. And we can crank out these graphics that are an amazing value add to our clients, make their lives so much easier. They're thrilled, but it really doesn't take us a ton of time at all. Um, and so it makes our, our service that much more valuable and desirable um, without adding a ton of labor to the process. Um, and then the other tool that we use in conjunction with Canva is called Headliner. And this is the one that I am asked about all the time. Uh, well, people don't know what they're asking about. They want to know the name of the tool that we use to make those cool graphics with the words that scroll across them. Uh, Sean, can you talk a little bit about Headliner? Yeah. So those, like, for example, in, say, Instagram stories, and you see something that actually has little subtitles underneath, there, I feel like it serves a couple of purposes. Um, I think in Instagram, if people are like me, they're way more likely to read something than they are to listen to something. I almost never have my audio on. And so I can be, I can see a video and not even know that the audio is there. And so one, it indicates that there is actually audio on the video, which is a nice feature. And then in, in Headliner, it's, it's almost like it's little, it's almost like a, it's very similar to working in GarageBand or something where you are editing clips and you are adding images on top of that. 
Um, it it's it takes a little bit of time to get your workflow down because you have to because it does transcriptions of the audio not always very accurately. And so it requires a little effort on your part to get the 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 accuracy correct. But then you just line things up with the different clips and you make sure that the timing is right. It's a really powerful tool. And yeah. we do it mostly for still images, you know, where we have the, but you can also do it on top of video as well. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that it takes time to get the workflow down. The app itself is incredibly easy to oh, use yeah, for, for sure as it is. But I do think it's the workflow component that as you get the hang of it and you get your system down, um, that's where you can build efficiency in. But the tool itself is just absolutely incredible. Like I'm still just so flabbergasted that it exists. Similarly to Descript, like it's it's on that level of holy crap, uh, I can't believe that we live in a time where this is possible. Well, uh, it's super customizable where you can take any image and you can put text anywhere in in that image you want. You know, you can make a thought bubble if you wanted to. I mean, it's just the the font style, the size, its actions. Um, it's another tool that we have not gone as deep in with it as what, uh, like I haven't even tapped all of its potential. Totally. So that one, um, most of the tools that we've um, talked about today are really easy to find. Headliner is headliner.app is the website for it. Um, and I believe there's some free functionality to it. And it is absolutely worth uh, upgrading to uh, the paid version as and well. That is another place where we have created templates for our team yeah. to be able to work from. So yeah. for, think- every, for every uh, podcast that we produce, we have templates within Headliner. Yeah, templates, I think, just in general, are a tool uh, that we use quite heavily. It doesn't matter what tool we are using them in or with with what client or for what purpose. Templates, 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 templates. And, you know, I... I think people have heard that for years. It's not something that is new. Like the concept of creating a template is not at all something that it's new, that's new. But I think it's often something that's on the back burner. And I'm really glad that we've prioritized from the beginning, making sure that everything we do um, is, you know, every new task we do, every like, oh, sure, we can do that for you. That's the basis of a new template. It's not a one-off thing. It's always we're going to need to do this again in the future. So we might as well make a template out of it. Um, Sean, are there any like dark horse tools or unexpected tools that you use um, on a regular or semi-regular basis um, that might be interesting to listeners? Yes, I have three and I'll make it fast. Okay. (laughs) Number one in, uh, in Gmail snooze. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I use it simultaneously for a few different things. One, it's a nice way to just sort of say, okay, later today I'm going to look at this, but I can't look at it right now. And so you just like snooze it until three o'clock or you snooze it until the next day. Because honestly, I don't have to look at this today, but I do have to look at it tomorrow. So you just snooze it till the next day. But the other thing that I do is like, I try my hardest to find, make sure that there are certain details that I don't get lost. So say, for example, I have a meeting a month and a half from now. Is it a month and a half? I have a meeting like a month away from now. There was a communication that I have made note of elsewhere, but I snoozed it to that day. So that morning when that when when I have that meeting, that communication is going to pop up into my inbox. So that's been a dark horse. The other one was the templates. Another Gmail feature is I heavily use templates, but I have outreach and communication templates set up for every client. 
and that have been con- that have been approved from through them so they know what i am sending out and then it's just a matter of personalizing so that saves me a ton of time and i have my last one which i learned via terra which blew my mind and is saving us a lot of time and i feel like an old guy when i say this but i have discovered emojis and <laughs> yeah so within our file structure within our systems I have assigned particular emojis to particular clients. And so then instead of having to read through a thing, system, uh, a stack of files or folders looking for a particular client, I look for their image. And I am, you know, in conditioning all of our team to use those same images. Like funny enough, everyone might enjoy this, but what works emoji? It's a snowflake. (laughs) We are the special snowflake and the client uh, It was a thing. And so learning the keystroke on how to put and in my and in the calendar. So to be able to to be able to search through Google Calendar looking for emojis when you're trying to look for something like I've gotten to the point where I don't even have to put into my calendar what client I'm working with. I just put in the emoji and then I can from I yeah, it's it's been great. It's similar to color coding, but you have I would say so. You have way more options and emojis make you smile. Color coding is like pleasing, right? But emojis are like, they're happy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, a snowflake, a unicorn, um, leaves. What are some of the other ones that we, but yeah. Rowboat. And I use emoji. I'm so glad you brought this up. Emojis are such a great organizational tool for me. This is, you you know, you said about being an old man, but this was an old woman thing for me too. Like I was, I did not understand why like I could put emojis on Notion until I started putting emojis into Notion as icons for things. And I was like, oh, emojis are the dark horse organizational tool. Everything is is organized that way now tell people what the keystroke is to pull up your emoji oh um it is well on a mac keyboard it's control command space it's awesome (laughs) yeah so just control command space it brings up your little emoji menu you click on it and it adds it to your text um i don't know what it is on a pc i'm real sorry i don't i'm sure it exists on a pc but i haven't used one of those in years um All right. I think that brings us to the end of the conversation. Are there any tools that we use on a regular basis that we didn't hit? No, I don't think so. I'm sure there is. I can't think of anything right now. Well, Sean, one of the things that I ask um, all of our guests at the end is what's something that you're excited about right now? So I'll ask you that as we kind of wrap up here. Um, I'm really excited how art and creativity in general keeps me sane when things are difficult. When I have something that I can really put myself into that can really fulfill me. And I'm sure that we all have the thing, you know, it's not related to work. It's not related to money. It's not related. It's just yours. And you do it just for yourself. And I have found some things that fulfill me and that I look forward to every day. And right now, when you're stuck at home, it's challenging to find things you look forward to. And so I look forward to those things. Well, that's a beautiful way to end end this conversation. Sean McMullen, thanks so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Tara McMullen. Well, that's it for another episode of What Works. You can find out more about Yellow House Media by going to yellowhouse.com 
Media. Now, we're bringing together a small group of podcasters for our first ever group coaching program right now. It's called Standout Podcast Club, and there is just about one more day to register. Now, in Standout Podcast Club, I'll work with you to help you develop or level up your show, build a strong editorial calendar, fuel your marketing strategy, and tell important stories. Go to yellowhouse.media and click on club to find out more. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt, and our production assistant is Kristen Runvik. Find over 270 more episodes of What Works at explorewhatworks.com. <laughs>